Hey, today on the Scottsdale Podcast, we're going to hear a message from Pastor Phil Ortigo entitled, After Christmas. This message is looking at how we should respond to the message of the birth of our Savior, Jesus. Enjoy and be challenged by the word of the Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to Scotts Hill. Those of you who are watching us online, glad that you're able to join us this one day removed from Christmas Sunday. I know some of you have family members who are in town with you, and we just want to welcome you. Some of you are back here. You've not been here for a long time. I see Daniel over here. Uh, he's, he came up in our student ministry, and I, I saw him this morning. I said, man, I got to go say hello to that guy. I love that guy. So glad that you're here, Daniel, to join with us. Um, and I got some great news for you. We are only one day removed from Christmas past and 364 days from Christmas future. So it, Christmas is coming, but it's coming a little bit while from now. And we're kind of in a strange place today. I mean, Christmas Day celebration yesterday. We've got New Year's Day on Saturday. And we're kind of living in this space of transition this week. It's kind of a weird place to be, isn't it? Because we're not quite sure what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to be about. During this transition time, there are a number of things that we're making um, um, things happen. And for instance, we're finishing up all the leftovers from Christmas this week. We'll be making sandwiches. We'll be eating pies. We're going to be emptying all the goodies that we've created for the event yesterday. And then this is the week where also we're going to start probably taking down some of our decorations. Some of you are not. You see, this is an opportunity to get started early for next Christmas. Uh, but many of you are going to start taking them down. You're going to take your lights down. You're going to store them away. You're going to take the Christmas wreaths and all of those things. During the course of this week, as you transition back to normal life. Some of you are going to pack up those pre-lit Christmas trees in the boxes and hope they light up again next year. You're going to take your live trees, which are almost dead, and put them at the road as an offering to overworked sanitation workers who will pick them up during the course of this week. Some of you are putting away all of the goodies like the, the fruit cake, and you don't have to worry about that. There is no expiration date on a fruit cake because nobody knows what's in it. So you can re-gift even that for next year. The eggnog, you're going to put away, and you're going to find that there might be half price tomorrow. Um, but with this inflation, they may cost even more tomorrow. Who knows? But you're making all the adjustments. The China's going away. You're going to be putting that away. The Christmas music that did its service through the course of this year, you're going to start packing that away. All of the generosity that you have given in December are going to become payments in January. And so you're going to have to make the adjustments for that. And so there are all of these adjustments. This is also the time where people return some of the gifts. Maybe those size 34 are going to have to be exchanged for 36 now. Um, and one, I told you last week that I have a secret of how to get my wife the perfect gift every single year without there ever being a return. It's real simple. She picks it out. I pay for it and pick it up. And so there's never a return on that. And I have great news. The one thing that I have been dreaming of and wanting for a long time are cowboy boots. And my wife says, no, no, that's never going to happen. Well, she came through yesterday and I got cowboy boots. Yeah, but they're too big. And I've got to return them or I would have them on this morning. Maybe even my pants tucked in them. So I'd have been so happy. Next Sunday's coming, buddy. So, uh, 
So those are the things that we're transitioning to. Now, this morning, we didn't transition completely because we're one day removed from Christmas. We're still doing Christmas music. And I told you that I love Christmas music. And, and this morning, we had some of that. And there was a Christmas song that is always played during the Christmas season. And it's an, it's an incredible message because the Christmas song that is played, we often look over it. We sing it, but we don't really give a lot of thought about the meaning of it. And it is the perfect song for after Christmas. Because that song tells us what we are to do after Christmas. Why is that so important? Because not only do we discard all the wrapping paper and all the, 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 the images of Christmas, many times what we do is what we do is we discard the message of Christmas until next year. We put away the happiness. We put away the hope. We put away the harmony and we get quiet, and we don't talk about that same message. It almost goes out with the wrapping paper. But the one thing this song tells us is what we ought to do after Christmas. I love it. It's an old Negro spiritual song, and it is called Go Tell It on the Mountain. And I love that song because it's a reminder of what we should do. The song was believed to have been written in 1865 by an unnamed African-American slave. It was during the time in a dark period in our nation's history where men and women and boys and girls were treated as objects and possessions rather than people of dignity created in the image of God. And as a result of slavery, there were this longing for freedom. But among these African-American slaves, most of whom could not read or write, in, the, in spite of all of the oppression and injustice, God seemed to have drawn many of them to himself. And many of them had deep faith. And it was through that period that God seemed to inspire in many of them some great songs that would encourage them. And they would sing these songs to one another. And because they couldn't read or write, they couldn't record them down, they would learn them in an oral setting and pass them on. And you would hear these songs being sung in the fields as they labor. You would hear some of these songs sung in their small African-American churches as they gather. Then the popularity of those songs began to spread to white churches and then ultimately to concert halls. And we can see it spreading. And thanks to the work of a man by the name of John Wesley Work, John Wesley Work was an African-American who was one of the few men in the South who was well-educated. He was a music director in a church in Nashville, Tennessee. And he began to collect all of these songs and put them down on paper so they can pass them on to future generations of African-Americans to see the struggle and the deep faith that they had experienced. And then his son, later in 1905, put all of these together in a book called Folk Songs of the American Negro. And one of those songs was Go Tell It on a Mountain. And the reason that message is so powerful is because of this. The characters in the song of Go Tell It on a Mountain are the shepherds. They were the most lowly people of that culture. And the story is about lowly people in culture written by an African-American slave who was the lowest of his own culture. And in that song is a picture that the Lord Jesus came to both the shepherds and to the slaves. And it is a reminder to us 
of the message of Christmas and the power of the message of Christmas. This morning, we're not going to shut the Bible on the Christmas story. In fact, we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Why? We want to look at what happened in the life of the shepherds. And when we look at their lives, we see what God is calling them to do after Christmas. So if you have your Bibles, open to Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, and we'll go to verse 20. But in this message today, there are two main points that I want to bring to you. Here are the points. The message of Christmas is for everyone. It's for everyone. As we look at this passage and unpack it, we'll see that God's heart for the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all of humanity. Secondly, the message of Christmas is for every season. It is not just until December the 25th. That is the beginning point of our celebration that we carry through through the course of the year. So as we unpack these two things, these are the two things I want you to see today as we look at God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together. Thank you for the time that we've had with our family and our friends. And Father, we ask today that you would speak to our hearts in a fresh way. Having been through the Christmas season over and over, may you teach us something fresh and new today that would be encouraging for us to go tell. Why should we go tell? Father, spur our hearts on to obedience to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why do we need to go tell? Because the message of Christmas is for everyone. We should be going to tell the message of Christmas because it's for everyone. And I love verse 20. Here's what the angel says. He says, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for some of the people. Is that what it says? I'm just trying to see if you're paying attention. Okay. (laughs) Obviously, most of you are not. Or some of you just don't know your Bible. But uh, here it is. He doesn't say for some of the people. That's not what he says. But sadly, most of the time when we deal with the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, we approach it in a way that we think it's only for some of the people. Because we're going to only share it with the people that we're comfortable with or we believe are even worthy of receiving the message. But that's not what it says. It says, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for what? All of the people. All of the people. It's for all people. And I love that, that it is inclusive. God's heart is for humanity. It's not just for a select group of people. But then he goes on. He says this, and in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, we read this and we think, oh, isn't that a wonderful setting? The shepherds are out there. Oh, they just have a wonderful job. I'd love to be a shepherd. I get to sit and I get to hold the little ewe lambs. I can pet them. I can lead them beside quiet waters. I could sit by the streams. Life would be so easy as a shepherd. You see, we romanticize that in our culture. But in that culture, nobody dreamt of being a shepherd. Because a shepherd was at the bottom rung of society in that culture. A shepherd was a person that was considered untrustworthy. You know that no shepherd was ever allowed to testify in a court of law because they were not trusted to be able to tell the truth. A shepherd was considered unclean and unlearned. 
Because of that, shepherds were not allowed to worship in the temple or the synagogues because they were considered to be unclean. And because they were always out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night, they were considered to be unfaithful to their wives because they were not good husbands. Shepherds were considered to be unkind towards their children because they were never around them instructing them. And to be a shepherd in that culture was not something that anybody ever wanted to be. Little boys didn't say, Daddy, when I grow up, I want to be a shepherd and disliked and distrusted by all of my culture. They didn't do that. And here's the thing. It is in the midst of all of this, these untrustworthy, unlearned, unkept, unclean, unspiritual people that God comes to. Of all the people that he could give the message of Christmas to, he comes to the lowest of the culture. And here's what it says. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. Now, that, that, that would be shocking, right? They're on this, this Judean hillside, and everything's quiet. They've got their sheep to sleep. They're resting. Then all of a sudden, an angel appears before them. I mean, miraculously, instantaneously manifests himself in their presence. And this is no wimpy angel, because angels were considered the host of heaven, which were army angels. These were giant, magnificent, fully clothed for battle angels. And all of a sudden, boom, there he is standing in front of them. And not only that, it says the glory of the Lord shone around him. I love this. Listen, the very men who could not even go to worship God in the temple were surrounded by the glory of God. You can't come to me. I'm coming to you. And the very glory of God shone around these uneducated, untrustworthy men. And there they bask in the Shekinah glory of Almighty God. Are you kidding me? These people who are the outcasts of society get to experience the glory of God. The people in Jerusalem and their little temples and all of their little clean sanctuaries, they're begging for the glory of God. And he shows up to these unnamed, unworthy men. And they were frightened. <laughs> yeah? I love the next verse. And the angel said of them, don't be afraid. Be a little bit late to say that statement, you know? But the statement in the Greek literally means stop being afraid. Stop being afraid. Why? For behold, I bring you good news of great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you, shepherd, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. You see, the message for Christmas is for everyone. But there are three things we need to see in that. Here's the first thing. Anyone can receive the message of Christmas. Anyone can receive the message of Christmas. You know, God's thinking is not like our thinking. And I'm so thankful for that. Because most people would never have picked people like shepherds 
to be the messengers of the greatest truth that the world needs to hear. Most people would not have picked the men that you consider to be untrustworthy or unclean or unspiritual. We would never have imagined that God would go to them. Yet it's these people, the outcast of society, that God shows up to. And here's what's amazing to me. The entire ministry of the Lord Jesus was towards the broken, the hurting, the outcast, the discarded, the ones that the religious leaders had nothing to do with. And yet those are the ones that the Lord Jesus comes to. And the problem is a lot of times we watch people, we measure people up, we can judge people in our self-righteousness as good church folk. And we would think, oh, they would never receive the message of God. And you know what we do? We walk right past them. We walk past hurting people. We walk past homeless people. We walk past dirty people. We walk past sophisticated people. We walk past intellectual people. We walk past scientists and doctors and truck drivers, and we size them up and we wonder, would they ever receive this message? And we make in our own minds whether they would or not, and many times we walk away. I love the story of the priest who every Christmas Eve, he did the same thing. He would go downtown in this metropolis city that he lived in, and he would go among the streets where everybody was partying and celebrating, and he would go to the darkest section of that town. He would go to the red light district where the prostitutes hung out. And he would go to these young women, and he would say to them this, listen, I will give you $20 if you will join me in that coffee shop for a cup of coffee. I will pay for your coffee. I will give you a $20 bill, and all I'm asking you to do is listen to a story I have to tell you. And almost all the young girls would do that because, hey, it was an easy 20. They're getting out of the cold to get a free cup of coffee, and all they have to do is sit and listen to a story from a priest. Yeah, let's do it. And so they do it, and he'd sit them down, and he'd tell them the Christmas story. And he would talk to them about Christ coming for them, for the broken, for the outcast, for the dirty. And he said almost to an individual every single time, those girls would become little girls again. And they would be thinking about the stories. And they would be thinking about the stories of God's love for them. And they would be considering all those different facts and the truths about all of that. And he says they would break down and they would weep. And many of them would receive the message like they had never heard it before. You know, that man wasn't even concerned about his own reputation and what people would think about him. Because all he wanted to do is find the people who would receive the message of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear something. This year, you're going to walk past a lot of people who need the message of Christ. Don't let their lifestyles, don't let their status in the culture, don't let their, their beliefs don't let anything about them keep you from telling them the thing that they need to hear. Because the thing they need to hear is the message of the gospel and the truth. One of the things I love to do in restaurants is just tell the waitress, hey, we're going to pray over this food in a moment. Can I pray for you about something? And it always opens up the door. 
And I can't tell you the relationships I've built with waiters and waitresses by doing that and going back to that restaurant and then keep praying for them. And then when you go there, you know what happens? They come right to your table and they tell you prayer request because they're receiving the message of Christ. But most of us, we're way too busy for that because we got to wait till next Christmas before we can have people receive it. No, you go tell because everyone needs to hear because anyone can receive the message. But let's go on. He says, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Here's the interesting thing about these two verses. They said, let us go see this thing that may have happened. That's not what they said. They said, let us go see this thing that has happened. Let us go see this thing that the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried and they made their way to that little cave or that stable where Jesus was born. And here's the thing. They believed the word of the angels. They believed the word of the Lord. Not only did they receive this message, but they believed it. And here's the second point. Anyone can believe the message of Christmas. When the Holy Spirit is working in a person's life, any person can come to the fact that they believe the message of the hope of Christ. They believed it, and they left everything that they had. They left their sheep. They left their livelihood. They left maybe their co-workers. They've left everything they had, and they went, and they found Jesus. They believed the message that they heard. Now, what's ironic is just a few miles away in Jerusalem, the religious leaders knew that he was to be born in Bethlehem, but they never made an effort to go because they didn't believe it could be possibly so. But here are the outcasts believing the message, and they go. This is amazing that they would go. And, and, and the thing that we need to understand is this. There are a lot of times we size people up and we think, well, you know what? I'm not going to share the gospel with them because there's no way they would believe what I have to say to them. There's no way they would believe the message of the gospel. There's no way that they would believe that a young girl who was a virgin gave birth to the Son of God, and he lived the perfect life, and he died on the cross, rose from the dead. He's alive today, and he is here to offer you forgiveness. And most of the time, what we do is we see people like that, and we think people in that culture, oh, they wouldn't look at that. They wouldn't believe that. And based upon who they are, oh, they're way too intellectual. They would never believe that. No, no, no. Their lifestyle is way too ungodly. They would never believe that. Oh, no, no, no. They're, 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 they're materialistic people. They're all about this world. I'm not going to share with them about Jesus because they would never believe that. And the reality, what we don't know, is what the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of people and how he's stirring their hearts from things that he's using. You know, if that's the case, if we believe it, think of the disciples Many people would have said, you know, Peter would never be the leader of this band of disciples. I mean, look how impetuous he is. He speaks before he thinks. Oh, you think Matthew would follow Jesus? He's a tax gatherer for the Roman government. You think Simon the Zealot wants to be part of that party? I mean, he and Matthew would be fighting all the time. 
The only respectable person among the disciples was a man by the name of Judas Iscariot. And we all know what he did. What about the apostle Paul? Oh, man, don't share the gospel with that guy. He'll kill you. Man, he'll have you arrested. That guy would never believe the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't say a word to him. And even Paul would say, hey, don't bring John Mark along. Uh -uh, John Mark, he can't be counted on. John Mark is a guy who defect. He will leave you. You leave him alone, Barnabas. If you do want him, we're splitting up and we're never doing ministry again. You see what happens? We can size people up. And let me tell you, there are people in our culture, people in our family. You know those family members that are real grumpy and always complaining and crusty? And we say, oh, they would never listen to the message of the gospel. Or that neighbor over there, man, no, no, there's no way that person would ever believe the story of Jesus Christ. And so what do we do? We walk past all these people and we have no idea what God is doing in their hearts. A reminder to me is when a man by the name of Robert walked into my office several years ago. Robert was six foot eight. He had a long gray beard. His face had the wear and tear of many years of hard living. Both arms were sleeves of tattoos. Six foot eight, he walked in my office and went under the door frame and came in. He was a former Hell's Angel. And as he sat in my office, I thought, hmm, this could be bad. (laughs) This might not end well. And he looked at me and he pointed at me. I'll never forget that. And he didn't even know my name, but he knew my name. He said, preacher, got one question for you. I was like, oh, Jesus, help me. (laughs) Here's his question. How can I be saved? How can I be saved? When he walked in, I was thinking, this guy's hopeless. I'm dead. How can I be saved? That's the kind of evangelism I love. Well, Robert, have you considered this? Have you recognized you're a sinner and you can't save yourself? And Jesus Christ is the only one who can give you life. And would you be willing to confess your sins today, repent of those sins and surrender to him? He put that big head in those big hands and just cried. And I led Robert to faith in Christ. I remember the day that we stood him before this congregation. He was standing right here, and we presented him. Tattoos, rough, brokenness, and all. And afterwards, I walked in that foyer, and there was two ladies talking, and one said to the other one, can you believe that? Is that what our church is coming to? And you know what? We say, ah, I got you. Because how many of you would invite that guy here? How many of you would have said, Man, that's my target this week. I believe that God can work in his life. Because the truth is, every one of us would be just like those two little ladies. Is this what our church has come to? I'm going to tell you, when we walk past people and we size them up and we judge them that they would never believe, can you believe that somebody may have thought the same thing about you at one time? I know they thought that about me. Are you kidding, Phil Ortigo? <laughs> Don't waste your time. He can't even get cowboy boots. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. That just. <laughs> but we do the same. 
And the thing that we need to remember is we need to go tell because everybody needs the message of Christmas and that anybody can receive this message. Anybody can believe it as the Holy Spirit is working within their lives. How dare we play God and be able to measure somebody up and try to figure out what's in their heart and what their greatest need is. And the Father is drawing them and he's drawing them. He's working in their hearts. He brings us to our face and we turn our back. I'm saying, oh, that guy will never do that. Robert went on to go to Hell's Angels conferences and conferences, rallies. I don't think they sat around taking notes at a conference. <laughs> but they went to these rallies. And you know what he did? He set up his tables and he gave out Bibles and tracts to all his Hell's Angels friends. I don't know what's happened to Robert. I don't know where he is. But I know that God did a work in him. And we need to rest assured that he can do that in anybody. Here's a third thing. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. They made known. In other words, they went and told people about what they saw and what they heard and what they experienced. They went and shared this good news. Here's the thing. They be took on the task of the angels. The angels didn't keep traveling the countryside and say, hey, got great news. Hey, let's take this choir of angels on a tour. They didn't do that. You know what they did? It was a shepherd's job. They were to go and tell. And here's what it reminds me of. The third truth is anyone can leave the message of Christmas. Not only can anyone receive it, not only can anyone believe it, but anyone can leave the message of Christmas. We can leave it where we go. I want you to notice what the, the shepherds did. And he says, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Where did they go first? They went to the stable. And they told Mary and Joseph of everything that had seen. Now, Mary and Joseph already knew that they were going to be giving birth to the Son of God. They already knew way more than the shepherds knew. But when the shepherds went there and told them what they had seen, what they had heard, what the angel had said about their child, it was not only confirmation, but it was a picture of the incredible impact that Jesus was about to make on humanity. And they were able to share it. It says this of Mary in verse 19, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. She treasured them. Why? Because she knew it was going to be true. Now, I want to tell you today, you don't have to be skilled to leave the message of Christmas. You don't have to be highly educated in theological truths to leave the message of Christmas. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an elder. You don't have to be a teacher. Just where you are. God has given you a sphere of influence among people. And he's given you the opportunity to leave the message all year long. And we're to continue to go because we can all do it. It's not based upon your age. From the youngest person here today can share Christ with a friend. From the oldest person here today can share Christ with a neighbor. And we are to take every opportunity to just leave the message. Why? Because anybody can receive it. We don't know who that will be. Anybody can believe it and be transformed. We don't know who that would be. And so we are called to be the messengers 
to continue on. Christmas is for everyone because anyone can receive the message. Anyone can believe and any one of us can leave the message of Christ. See, there's the hope. Go tell. Because this message is for everyone. But here's the second point I brought about. Christmas is for every season. It is not just during the month of December or November. For some of you, July to that point. It's all the time. Look at verse 20. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. I want you to see there are two things they did. Number one, they returned to their normal routines. They returned to their jobs. They returned to their flocks. They returned to their co-workers. They returned to the Judean hillside. They returned to their vocation. They returned to their families, their friends. They returned to their culture. They returned to who they were and what God called them to be. They went back. They went back. Verse 20 says, they went back. They went back to what God had placed them and the culture that they're in and their spheres of influence. You're going back. This week you might be in this transition, but next week you're going back. You're going back to that job. You're going back to that school and reopening the books again. You're going back to your culture. You're going back to the marketplace. You're going back to your family. You're going back to your church. You're going back to your community. We don't live in la-la land somewhere. We live in the real world, as David was talking about a few moments ago. And this is that between time, between Christ's birth and his return. This is the life we have that God has called us to do. We are to return to where God has placed us. But secondly, they returned with a renewed purpose. They did not go back the same, did they? They were totally different. Verse 20, again, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. They went back doing two things. Number one, they returned as worshipers, praising God for the things that they have seen. We're about to enter into a new year and we should never enter a new year with hopelessness. We should enter this new year with worship, with anticipation that this is a new year, new opportunity for us to grow in our relationship with Christ, for us to get closer to God, for us to learn deeper truths about him, his character, for us to experience his presence in our lives like we've never had before. We are to go back as worshipers and make the priority of our lives about Jesus. And secondly, they returned as witnesses, glorifying. You know what the word glorify means? It means magnify. You know what magnify means? It means to make big. Making big is to tell everybody about the greatness of Almighty God. We are called to go back as witnesses. So as we're leaving, living after Christmas in between these times, the message for you and me is very simple. Go and tell. Now, we're not going to go tell it on a mountain. <laughs> you might get on an overpass here. It's about the closest you're going to get to. But we go tell it at the beach. We go tell it in our classroom. 
We go tell it on our job. We go tell it to our neighbors. We go tell it to our family. We go changed people and sing great praises to Almighty God. As you have had a great day yesterday, and as you may still be in the throes of celebrating right now, you're going to be in this transition all week. Maybe you're transitioning to cleaning up all the Christmas clutter. Maybe you're transitioning to cleaning up all the food. Maybe you're transitioning to get those relatives out so that they can be back. But whatever it is, don't go back the same. Because anyone can receive the message. Anyone can believe that message. And anyone can leave the message. And that message is every single day to tell it on the mountain. We're going to close this service with that song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. And as we sing that, I want you to think of the, the, the lyrics of this song. Now, we're not going to do it in the old uh, Negro spiritual fashion. We're going to do it in a contemporary version. But we want to do it with this charge to you. And that just charge to yourself. And this commitment between you and with Almighty God. That as we go through this transition, that we're going to go and tell. Because everyone, everyone needs the message of the goodness of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God. I want to tell you today that Jesus loved you so much that he came on your behalf. That Jesus died on the cross to take your sins. That he rose from the dead. He's alive today. And you can receive this message, believe it, and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just as Robert did. And I want to call you to that. I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's pray. Then we'll sing. And then you get to leave and go and tell. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for Christmas. And thank you, Father, for the wonderful joy that we have to participate with you as the messengers of the good news of Jesus Christ and that we would go, we would share, we would tell. And Father, people would come to faith in Jesus Christ and you would be glorified as we go and tell it on the mountain. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and I encourage you to come back next time as we hear a message from our children's pastor, Ryan Lambert. If you have any questions about our church or you want to learn more about Jesus, visit our website at scottsville.org slash next steps. Till next time.